0: drugs, gangs, trauma, and gay love in the Big Apple. We had Casey watch Banana Fish, and we're here to answer the question, was it a kawaii disappointment? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Kawaii Disappointment, your weekly journey through the worlds of anime. With you, as always, is me, your host producer, a weeb of all trades, and your 17-year-old gang leader that has all of the trauma you'd assume comes with that, PJ.
1: And me, your funny, purple-haired, also gang leader of a different gang, Skylar. And best friend.
0: And with us, as always, is our brand new gang member, secretly just studying for a role in Law & Order, Casey.
2: And this fish is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S.
0: Casey, <laughs> Well, if that and the episode title didn't give it away, this week we are watching Banana Fish as we kick off Pride Month during, well, Pride Month. Yay, Pride.
1: I'm so excited that I have you tears of joy in my You literally sound like you're face. crying.
0: I don't know what's wrong with you. All right, well, <laughs> Casey, based off the name alone, what did you think this anime was going to be about? When I hear the name
2: Banana Fish, I feel like maybe it's the quest to find the mysterious plantain-shaped monster of the Pacific, the Banana Fish. Maybe it's because One Piece is affecting my brain, because I was thinking about their journey that they had to go on, but maybe it's probably the story of a sea voyage to find this fish, which either grants you powers or makes you a lot of money. Either way, the stock prices for banana fish off the chart.
0: All right. Well, once you saw the poster, did your thoughts change a little bit?
2: I did. It did which I th- honestly was happy cuz I was like, "Eh, we're stepping on one piece territory if we're going on a voyage for like this monster." So I'm like, "Yeah." So, the, this looks like the poster for a Japanese adaptation of a buddy cop film, but since it's Pride month, I will say it's queer Japanese rush hour, and I also hope, I don't know, I haven't kept up with them. Is Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker are they canceled? Or are they doing good? I
0: think I think they're, they're, they're both doing okay. fine. Jackie Chan's like a little canceled. Oh, man. Uh, Because, you know, he's very, like, pro-Chinese state, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh... So he agrees Um, with China politics. Yeah, so that's kind of like a thing, which comes with a lot of its own negativity. And I think Chris Tucker's, like, just very religious, which can be cancelable based on some of the opinions that come with being hyper-religious
1: like chris pratt
0: i think as a
1: majority
0: Mm. they're both like still floating on the surface
1: right Mm.
2: okay so there's time for them to grow and come back i hope so i say that by the way like i want a sequel but i haven't even seen rush hour three yet so
1: do we need a rush hour four
2: do we need anything skylar i
1: mean if they're old (laughs) enough we could finally have them go like i'm too old for this shit
2: that's lethal weapon maybe a crossover between lethal (laughs) weapon and rush hour I always forget that he's in Friday. I'm like, how he is oh, the range you to do mean both. the
0: second main character of Friday? Because <laughs> I always
2: like, my mind I think Chris Tucker, I always go to rush hour, but like he's in Friday. And man, he was, he's funny, man. He's Friday's funny. a great
0: movie. It's a great movie. But let's talk about this poster. So let's kind of go through the background characters first. So let's start with the old bald man.
2: Yes. Okay. So the old man is like the master splinter, like police chief, like he's, he's a good guy, but he's this there to like give advice and kind of guide his team. Like he's very to himself, very serious not amused by humor like you know like brooklyn 99 like the police chief on that one kind of like that yeah. you know like Probably he's okay. like has to be serious so that the team understands that the mission at hand has like some real weight to it what about the guy with the pink hair okay so the pink hair guy he is the um side friend who will be
0: used in the
2: plot now just to be clear you thought that was pink i thought that was purple
1: i thought it was purple
0: you know what it's pretty purple yeah we'll go with purple it's purple hair right i am
2: gonna change from the norm i know what you guys thinking. Casey's going to say he's the villain. I'm not going to say it this time. I'm going to go against Trope and say he's a side friend who will be used in the plot but doesn't contribute anything to solving the problem. Kind of like Xander from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm betting on him to be like the damsel in distress that one of the main characters will have like some sort of personal connection to so they have to like make sure he's still alive. You know what I mean?
1: You know what, Casey? Let's not call it purple because it's actually magenta.
2: No, she's in Rocky Horror Picture Show.
0: Yeah, Skylar. Wrong entire <laughs> franchise. Uh, what about the stoic black-haired one? Okay, the guy with the long
2: black hair and the sad face he's the ex-boyfriend of uh, this guy in the pink shirt in the middle and their breakup's like a real traumatic like Adele music style one and I think he's more really there as like a flashback character who like kind of comes back to remind the trauma of the pink shirt character that's fun the brown haired one yes so the brown haired one he is like you know like there's always like that character like they're not the villain but they're just an asshole he's like the J Jonah Jameson Bonnie Rottweiler, Kate from Lizzie McGuire, like annoying person, but not like really a the villain. Yeah, the foil. Uh, red herring from a pup named Scooby-Doo. You know, like there's always that terrible person. <laughs> I always go back to thinking about red herring from a pup named Scooby-Doo and how brilliant that idea <laughs> is, by the way. I can't get it out of my head.
0: <laughs> what about the spiky blonde haired one?
2: So this guy, he's the bad guy. He's like an international blonde terrorist who's trying to orchestrate some sort of big money making scheme that will cause everyone to Ooh, die.
1: Ooh, That's yeah. fun.
2: Yeah, like he's, I'm thinking like somewhere between the bad guy from Die Hard, I can't remember his German name or Hans Gruber Hans Gruber thank you I always want to say MacGruber I'm like it's not MacGruber (laughs) that's a different thing
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's a different movie yeah that's
2: a different movie or like Demi Moore from Charlie's Angels Full Throttle so something like they're not really there to kill everyone it's just a side effect of their money-making scheme that they're trying to come up with all
0: right well then let's talk about our two focal points Uh, let's talk about the black-haired one in the pink shirt okay so pink shirt he's this he's the young
2: shy cop who is just working behind the desk and like due to unplanned circumstances he's like been thrown into the field like I think Sandra Bullock Like in that heat movie, I believe that's what happens. From what I watched that, he's going to like learn to believe in himself because of his partner's influence. But he's like making that transition and he's just not sure of himself as like a field agent.
0: All right. And then let's finish it out with the blonde one holding the gun.
2: Okay. So the blonde white t-shirt guy, he's the trigger happy anti-hero who doesn't trust anyone and has become jaded over time. He will fall in love with Pink Shirt due to Pink Shirt showing him new things he's like never felt before. Oh, yeah. Right. He's struck by a smooth criminal. Yeah. He's been struck by a smooth criminal, actually. So much you get on that case. He's struck by his pure genuine kindness and love, and this guy, he's reckless and messy, but means well and shows love by like action, not words. He's like that traditional tough guy anti-hero, but you know, still like he falls and becomes more softer due to this one character he's connected
3: to.
0: Yeah. Okay, I love all of those predictions. Some are definitely closer than others, but we'll get to that once we actually watch the episodes. Which, you know what? Why don't we get to that right now? everyone stay tuned we are going to be watching episodes one and two of banana fish see how accurate casey's predictions are and we'll be right back all right we're back and we had casey watch episodes one and two of banana fish and before we move forward i do want to give out a trigger warning for the rest of this episode banana fish is a very heavy anime and it deals with a lot of heavy topics we will be discussing rape child abuse and murder trafficking. so uh trafficking a lot of things that are very heavy topics so if you don't feel like you could handle listening to that uh we implore you to just skip ahead maybe don't listen to this one but it is an important topic and it is very integral to the anime but with all of that said casey tell me what did you think of banana fish
2: well i feel super qualified to talk about this heavy subject because i'm pretty heavy myself um, sorry, that was just a bit of levity between before we go into the sad stuff. It was, <laughs> s- ew, thank you, Skylar. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, it was, I had a lot of feelings. I, at some points in this, I was really sad. And I was like, oh man, like effed up big time. And then other parts of this was like, wow, I am horny. What is happening here? Like, <laughs> like, man, I, you know, I, I'm gonna tell a side story to really explain my feelings. I'll keep this down to like two minutes. Okay, I went and saw A Star is Born with some friends in the movie theater. And it was like the saddest part of the movie. I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't seen it. So like, there's this really sad, devastating moment, you know, we're all like, tears crying in the theater a couple rows back from me in the midst of this scene it's about to transition to like this next singing scene and someone lets out the loudest fart I have ever heard in my life loudest fart as possible as we're all crying tears of sadness and like it took me so out of it to like from extreme crying to like laughter my body like went into shock almost because I was laughing so hard and like that's almost kind of (laughs) what banana fish did to me because like it's going from like this like there's like really sad stuff to like sexy stuff to like danger and action and wow it takes you there on a journey
0: oh god what a story (laughs) i know a star a star is born i will always think of farts now banana fish is nothing if not a roller coaster and that is accurate but before we talk any more about that roller coaster let's get through some housekeeping first so, Banana Fish is based on a manga by Akimi Yoshida that ran in Bessatsu shoujo comic from May 1985 to April 1994 for 19 volumes. It was published as a shoujo, but became a crossover hit due to its action and realism, making it a success with the seinen community as well, despite its gay romance. Regardless of its success, Banana Fish did not receive an anime adaptation until 2018, which is the one that we watched. The anime was directed by Hiroko Utsumi and was produced by Studio MAPA for Fuji TV and ran for 24 episodes between July and December of 2018, being simulcast on Prime Video in America. There's also been a radio play, a film stage production, and two novelizations of Banana Fish. With all of that, let's do a not-so-quick rundown of Episode 1 and 2 because there is so, so, so much that happens in these So episodes. much.
1: Seriously.
0: In Episode 1, we start in Iraq as the soldier begins to mindlessly take out his platoon before being stopped and saying the words, Banana fish. In the present day, Ash links, finds a man dying, who hands him a vial with an address. Ash confronts Dino Golzine about this before leaving with no answers. Ash meets with Skip and his friend Shorter before we see his brother, the catatonic remnant of the soldier from the beginning, unresponsive. Elsewhere, AG and eBay come to America from Japan to interview gang members. Ash deals with the members of his gang who did work for Dino as one of his gang members, Arthur, plans his downfall. AG and eBay meet with Skip and are taken to the bar where Ash's gang hangs out. Arthur's gang arrives and ambushes them and Skip and AG are taken hostage. As the police search for them, Ash takes off on Shorter's bike and confronts Arthur before he reveals he's also working with Marvin. They force Ash to give up his gun and round them all up. Ash uses his past to seduce Marvin and assaults him so they can all escape. A.G. beautifully pull Vaults out to escape, but Ash and Skip are not as lucky. Ash and Skip are recaptured, and as Marvin goes to kill Ash, he instead kills Skip. Ash holds Skip's body before chasing after Marvin. He finds Marvin already dead and is framed for the murder. In interrogation, a crooked cop shows Ash video of him being raped by Marvin as a child and says that this was his motive, and Ash is sent to prison, as many men call out to him threatening sexual assault, and men inside let us know they have already been tasked with targeting Ash. And that's episode one and two of Banana Fish.
2: Can you believe that? That's episode one and two. (laughs) Like, all of that in those two episodes. Jeez. And that's
0: cutting out so much, you know? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Still. That's like a hyper-condensed version of how meaty these episodes are.
1: So they always take forever to get to the intro sometimes, like if they're playing scenes before it. And then I'm always like, okay, it's over. Because they've crammed so much into just the beginning part of the episode. And I was like, oh no, these are the opening credits.
0: Yeah, sometimes it'll be like, 13 minutes before you get the opening credits and you're like what the hell yeah it's so heavy i mean so much happens i didn't even get through it in the in the recap but like clearly ash was dino's sex slave like for most of his childhood Mm -hmm. and you know you get so much of that and they have such a complicated quote-unquote working relationship and marvin you know having the film videos of him with ash when he was a kid it's all Mm. so gross
2: it's so wrong oh my gosh Yeah, I mean, that was some devastating stuff. Like, it's so wrong and like perverted. It's so bad. So sad for Ash.
1: I'm not going to lie, Casey, because I kind of also went the route you did before I watched Banana Fish. I just thought it was like a cop drama, like with gay stuff. And then, like, sad things happen, but I was under the impression that Ash was, like, a cop, and Peach is just like, no, he's a fucking gang leader.
2: He's a teenage gang leader in New York. Yeah, sad.
1: How did you feel, like, when you're like, oh, this is a very violent child?
2: I think, like, if I was younger, I would have seen it more, like, more annoying like, oh my gosh, or whatever, I don't know. But I think now I just like my heart like pours out. I'm like, oh my God, like you don't know you were taken in so young by this terrible man. And so now and all you have is like this gang because you try to create your own family. But like no one's qualified to be your family at that point because they're all like not adult enough for you. So it's like this really messed up situation and really sad. And I I don't know, I just kind of felt bad for him like the whole time. He's like a very sympathetic character.
1: I would like you to elaborate really quick. If you were younger, why would you think it's annoying? Oh,
2: sure. I'm sure just to like, I, I think as younger people, when we see characters that are like openly violent and aggressive i think it's easy to write them off as like they're just bad people like oh he just can't control himself he's just violent he's just this that the other you know what i mean So just
0: you know you just wouldn't have understood the nuance
2: yeah i wouldn't have understand like okay there's a reason he's this happened to him this is a survival instinct he's doing and um yeah i I think it would have been easy just to like write him off with like a less mature mindset
0: yeah for sure no i totally agree with that but you're not wrong like he does kind of like build his own family with his gang i mean he has a lot of intensity and i think some of what you said in your prediction is right like i think that's why ag is such a disarming figure for him because AG is just genuinely, like, in a weird way, like, innocent, and I don't think he has anyone in his life other than Skip necessarily that has that air of innocence. That's why when Skip dies, he holds on so closely to AG because he kind of still needs that in his life. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's so, so, so sad when Skip died. Oh my gosh, I, I was like, no, not Skipper. It was so sad. Oh my god, and. I love Skipper with the overalls. And like when Skipper saves A. G. in the bar- He's so cute. Oh, I love him so my much. Heart.
0: This is such a weird thing to throw into this mix. But this anime does like a really like not bad job of drawing black people. Oh! Which like shouldn't be like, wow, let's give them an award for that. But I've watched enough anime to be like, wow, let's give them an award for that.
1: So I have like a fun fact, sad fact. Cause I was doing like a lot of like research on TikTok And they were talking about that and they said that the original, if you go back and see the manga, the POC are drawn so racistly, and that the anime really did like improve upon it and like made these. Yeah. And so it's a huge evolution and a lot of people really appreciate it because there are POCs that refuse to read the manga because it was just so offensive.
0: Which is fair. All of the story is updated, right? And at the end of the day, like, the core is there, but a lot of the visuals, a lot of the background detail have been, you know, translated to a more modern era. It adds to the story. And at at the end of the day, like, we're not here to judge the manga, we're here to judge the anime. And luckily, the anime was like, we're not going to be that racist.
2: Right.
1: Everyone was so attractive. No, not everyone.
2: Well, not everyone.
1: (laughs) A lot of the characters were so attractive. The traffickers and pedophiles, not attractive. Thankfully, they drew them very grotesquely. Which I think is fair, right? That's what they look like on the inside.
0: Yeah, I mean, Marvin is just such a gross pig of a person. Yeah. That's not about his weight. That's about him being him.
1: Yeah, honestly, though, as the series goes on, I completely forget about Marvin. Completely. Which you should.
2: Wow. That's either a good thing or a bad thing. A good thing is that, like, makes peace with thing. everything. Or a bad thing, it only totally gets worse, I was gonna say.
1: <laughs> it's a I bad will say, thing.
0: like, this show never, like, left. I mean, there's so much fun and light moments in this anime, and, like, so many times where you're like, God, like, I just, I want everyone to live, like, a fun, happy life, but there's so many times where you're like, oh, no, just devastated i mean i know how many times i cried watching this i know how many times skylar cried watching this like this anime just tags at you in every possible way mm-hmm. i
1: literally like got called out by pj because like just thinking about it like makes me cry i have like dried tear stains all over my face right now
0: oh <laughs> like i was like look we haven't even gotten that far in the episode yet don't let everyone know how sad it is yet <laughs>
1: <laughs> they saw through
2: my ruse it seems like there is like those moments of like connection between AG and Ash. Like that seems like light in the dark situation really trying to like yeah. keeps you not feeling super down. That's what I really enjoyed about like that made like the hard stuff not so sad. Yeah. Just watching like them connect. And I I really have a soft spot for toughened characters who've like really Softened. like been through some terrible stuff and like are able still to have like, a connection that makes them feel grounded and not so like, drifting out into like the atmosphere of like sadness
0: yeah and i mean yeah. ash goes through phases a lot in this but everything about his life has been nothing but trauma
1: starting at seven or eight
0: real talk the more and more you learn about his life like just the worse and worse it was and you know that's why he has such a tough exterior and Ag has had like a very good life up until you know the fact that he wasn't able to be a pole vaulter anymore. This <laughs> guy <laughs> kind of like crying. No, already. no, no!
1: Really quick, I was explaining the whole plot to Angie, as I do when I talk to Angie, and I couldn't remember the word pole vault, so I just kept saying catapult, and she's like, "I don't think that's correct."
0: He's an expert catapulter, <laughs>
2: <laughs> catapulting himself away and over the wall.
1: But, like, that whole thing with him catapulting, like, over that wall... It's so beautiful. And like, I think that's when like Ash is just like. Oh, yeah. He like falls
0: in love right then and there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Ash really enjoys the fact that AG is not terrified of him when he meets him.
0: Again, we're going to just keep being like, and this is where it goes, but like, not actually. We'll try to very much keep it to a minimum. But like, that's always a thing with AG and Ash is AG coming from a completely different society, a completely different world, being thrown into literal like the criminal streets of New York, criminal underground of New York is never scared, which is such an interesting character trait for him. And obviously, like you kind of have like, a very beautiful explanation as to why type of thing. It's a whole thing. But regardless of it, it's, it's a very interesting character choice for him. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. It's beautiful. I love that connection between the two of them. I, I think there's, there's such a good choice of these two characters, like these initial traits you kind of learn in these first two episodes. That make you really see like, oh, there's so much that can be gained from each character from this relationship with each other. It's really cute.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I feel like Eiji needs to feel some fear. (laughs) For someone that like cannot fight, he's a little too fearless. Young
0: ho yeah. But it's because he cares a lot, you know?
1: I know which is beautiful that's why we love him so much
0: his more motivation
2: is like you know integrity and love doing the right thing whereas ash is just more like his focus is it's more of just survival instincts of like kind of the basis of each of their power yeah if you will.
1: well because it's all ash doesn't go out to kill and murder ash only kills and murders when he's being attacked or mm-hmm. his gang is being attacked
2: the only family he thinks he can trust or now
1: yeah well, that's the whole, like, blood is thicker than water thing. Like, he's created his own family. Right, right, right. And if anyone doesn't know, like, the full saying, it's blood of the covenant is stronger than water of the womb. So it's really funny when, like, family's just like, blood is thicker than water, because they assume it's their blood, whereas, like, no, you're the water. Get over
2: yourself. Oh, honey, you're the water, honey. Honey, you are all water. <laughs> mm. <laughs> By the way, I don't know what I... <laughs> when i wrote this down <laughs> i don't know what part i was talking about but it's in the first episode and i wrote god this gun scene has put me at half chub what did i mean by oh, that
0: i was literally gonna break up the gun scene so this is when they're they first meet ash oh yeah and A- Ag's like can i hold That's your gun?" And everyone was. like freaks out and he lets him hold the gun and it's like super hot the way that it all happens it's very <laughs> hot and afterwards skips is like oh yeah ash doesn't let anyone hold his gun Hi. and it was like and he's like yeah the last person who did that like lost their fingers and that's when you're like oh that's arthur because he has all those finger scars right yeah
2: he tried to go for the gun he would and ash wasn't into it
1: i just need to say fuck arthur and that's all i'll say
0: fuck arthur in every way i mean fuck so many of the bad guys
1: in this but you also know? fuck arthur because arthur was an asshole before he got involved with all those other people He's always been an asshole and a coward.
2: And his motivation for like being an, a terrible person, like, could you guys shed some light on that? Maybe some more. He's
0: just a piece of shit.
2: Yeah, uh. he's a
1: piece of shit. And like his motivation at the time of meeting him, and he says it, is literally to fuck over Ash. He hates Ash.
2: Hmm. See, and then I'm wondering what the reasoning for that is, but I'm sure that comes along
0: in the series.
1: Should we tell him?
0: He could kind of give a hint. You don't go into like a million details.
1: Okay. So there's a reason why he could only use a knife.
2: Okay. That, um, that helps me nothing, but I assure you it probably will come up later in the series.
0: <laughs> it's very minimal motivation. It's literally just like Ash disrespected me and hurt me. Oh, okay. And now I want to literally murder everyone he's ever cared You know
1: about. like when mm. people that hate pickles make that their whole personality? That's what Arthur did, but with Ash. Ash is the pickles for Arthur.
2: Interesting. Pickles are so good, too. Anyways, moving I know, on. No, seriously.
1: So,
3: to
0: kind of talk about the episodes that we did watch, though. So, like, there's just a lot of very heavy topics to discuss with this anime, but let's kind of talk about the ones that are at least brought up already. So, there's a lot of implication and evidence of, like, there's a lot of child rape that happens in this world. Yeah. Yeah, it's so sad. There's a sad. lot of
1: trafficking and it's really depressing, but it's such a like common reality.
0: It's handled very maturely. Like it's never done for kind of just like pure like cheap villainization. Like they're not like, "Oh, like they're bad people." You know, it's it's handled very realistically and maturely. And I think like people can sometimes have a little bit of a criticism of this anime because sometimes there's like a very conservative viewpoint that people can only be gay if they were like abused as children. Mm-hmm. Some people sometimes feel like this kind of falls into that trope, but I don't think it does. Like I think it's two separate. I think the evidence of
1: A.G. is like, that's the other side of the coin. It's like, he's obviously queer, and he had a perfectly normal childhood.
0: Exactly. It's
1: pointing out like, yes, horrible circumstances, but that didn't make him queer. He just happened to be queer. It's just a coincidence.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah, you can be gay, you can be abused, you can be gay and abused, you know? Everything. Hopefully, we will see less abuse, (laughs) but... (laughs) yeah definitely it definitely is so sad i was kind of concerned about that going into this that i was like when they were kind of starting to allude to it when we were talking about like the videos i was like "Uh uh-oh and then i was like oh i hope this isn't like a demonization of homosexuality Mm
0: -hmm. yeah we would totally pick that for pride month
2: right exactly and i was like ooh, did they not have other choices
1: (laughs) these episodes very make it clear that he's the personal pet of papadino and anyone else that touches him he they have to pay like a very high price or pay their life price as in i think it's over $20,000 to sleep with him
2: man that's pricey
1: well i mean well, it's like when people are like really hardcore about their fandoms and they will pay like any price for like rare items and stuff.
0: You keep picking such interesting analogies for like the most demonically terrible things that happen in this. You know, murder like pickles, sexual <laughs> trafficking like manga. I don't know. It
2: is like manga.
1: Perverts and pedophiles.
0: Both start with P. Yes.
1: Yes. Are willing to pay.
0: I think we get what you're trying to say. Yeah. I feel like you're not succeeding, but we understand.
2: I guess I wonder what, like, because we obviously were in America. I don't know, like, what the Japanese fan base particularly thinks of, like, this take on child abuse standpoint. I guess I'm wondering, like, how they reacted specifically because their culture is so different than ours, you know?
1: Well, yeah, but their age of consent is much younger and they do have a problem with old men violating younger people.
0: But also they kind of get to like otherize it, you know, since this is set in America. Yeah. Mm, That's true. Maybe it gives it
2: some distance so people can be like, oh, yeah, that seems like a problem. And then don't have to take any sort of accountability.
0: Like not to sound like a conspiracy theorist, this is just facts, which is what conspiracy theorists say. (laughs) Uh, But like, you know, it gets into what a lot of what, very unfortunate reality is because you find out that like this child sex trafficking ring has had many influential politicians and celebrities and stuff involved you know
2: this is jeffrey epstein all over again
1: yeah look at his list his little book
2: i think chris tucker was in the jeffrey epstein documentary side note i just thought i'd mention that because we were talking about him earlier
1: <laughs> so maybe he should be canceled no Right.
2: Don't, don't sue me chris tucker <laughs>
1: i would look that up probably before you commit to that
2: it says it's in his filmography but we'll look at it up later anyways let's talk about some gay shit because it's pride month you guys let's talk about some gay shit mm. so i mean i guess you guys know more than i do how do you guys feel about the depiction of ash and easy as like gay characters or queer characters
0: you keep jumping between saying his name right <laughs> and then sorry. not saying his name right. is it a- AG easy i can't say it AG yeah you've said it right a few times so I will say, like, they have such an interesting romance because it's it's not depicted, and I think purposefully, like, I, I really think when Akimi Yoshida was writing this, she clearly wanted to tell a gay story, and she did tell a gay story, but she didn't want to, like, polarize people by making it like, you know, they're kissing 24-7 and they're, like, just, you know, lovey-dovey. So what she did was, and I think realistically made a more mm-hmm. grounded romance because they're in a life and they're in this intense situation. But throughout it, the relationship blossoms and develops. And they clearly, like, care for each other a lot. But, you know, they don't. Every episode be like, hey, by the way, like, I love you Mm -hmm. and kiss, you know, I think they want them to be like, yaoi, blaringly, like, in your face yaoi. And I think she purposely didn't want to do that. Like, she really was like, I want to tell a gay story, but I also want to tell my action story. It's
1: all subtext.
0: I don't want the gayness to be a distraction from the action, and I don't want the action to be a distraction from the gayness. So it was all about finding a balance. And I think that's why it did have such crossover success, because while it was a gay romance story, it was never the focus of the story which I kind of love in a way because it's kind of like you know that thing where people are like I don't want a token character I want a character that just happens to be the same thing as me and it has nothing else to do with the story totally like I don't want you know a black character in this movie just to have a black character I want one of the characters in this movie to be black and realistically portrayed I don't want a character in this movie to be gay and be his whole personality I want them to be real living characters who just so happen to be gay and they're both more queer than Mm -hmm. straight up gay I mean Ash is definitely Definitely at least buy your pan. AG I kind of feel like it's just full out. But regardless of that, that's something I really love. But I know for some other people it can be a little bit of a turn Well,
1: I mean, that's something I kind of had to come to terms with when it all ended. I was just a little disappointed that the relationship wasn't fully defined as romantic so i was a little disappointed by that i wanted maybe a little bit more romance but then you explained your point it really brought in the idea and i do really appreciate that it like i didn't want it to be in your face like shown and i
0: you just wanted a moment of them being like oh by the way like right we're together, kind of yeah and we love each other And, you know, you don't ever fully get that. But I think because everything they say, they say it with their words and their actions without ever saying it and not in a like because we couldn't like we're not nana right yeah i was gonna say it's
1: not like nana
0: we're like whoa they're just good friends no it's not like that it's very clear the love like legitimately intense romantic love they have for each other and everything they do for each other and their relationship becomes so much more and more as the series goes on yeah i and again i i completely understand your point of view that you had and i'm glad that I don't know. That explanation was right. Satisfactory.
1: Obviously, if Ash didn't love Aji, the whole anime would have been like three episodes. It would have just been an OVA.
2: Right.
0: That is accurate. One
2: thing I liked about the romance is that obviously I'm openly gay. Whatever. So, spoiler alert: if you haven't watched this podcast, or heard this podcast ever before, um, <laughs>
0: or just listen to Casey, you could listen to me in 40 the past five
2: seconds. You'd be like, "Oh, gay." No, um, it's like. Like, one thing I like about this, because, like, growing up, obviously, there's a lot of internalized homophobia. And, like, I expect, especially, like, when you're starting out as, like, a teenager and trying to, like, find your kind of way in the community and as a queer person. And you don't want to put, you're not putting labels on yourself. You're just trying to be like, okay, like, I like this thing. this is a thing that's happening. And, like, it's not label specific. And I think that's just what I I appreciated about their kind of story. Because it was just about two people in this moment, in this time. They're not trying to take on this label of something of being gay, quote unquote, but it's just like, we are. Ju- this is just us being people in the moment, connecting um, romantically, which I think speaks to a lot of queer people's real experiences.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's such a beautiful part of this. And you know, it's really interesting because they do live in a world that is like the real world. And because of that, like there is a lot of homophobia in mm-hmm. it. You know, a lot of times, like, I mean, I think even in episode one and two, the F-, yep. the F slurs used yeah. it once or twice. It's done in such a way where it never feels like layering. Like, it never feels like they're doing it to do it. Like, the in terms of the writing, like, I don't think the writer was like, ha-ha, throw it in the F-slur, baby. I, it feels very much like it's it has a purpose in the story.
1: Yeah. It's said by bad people.
0: It's said in closed-minded scenarios, essentially. It's always said kind of in this almost bubble of being like, isn't it so interesting that this is a perspective when the reality is the world that you're seeing as the viewer and this person saying this doesn't get to see that right. version of the world.
2: Yeah, completely. I have a question for you guys because I was because we talked about how each character is like, we don't know where they are like on the spectrum of sexuality. I thought about this. And I just wrote this down. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Do you guys think people as a whole do you think they're more or less aware of where they lie on their sexuality spectrum um or do you think like because you know societal repression has kind of taught us that like there's a lot of heteronormative behavior that we're like taught to try to take on. Do you feel like as a whole in the world, people are more or less aware of that? They may be not be super straight on that, like Kinsey scale, but maybe closer to the queer one, or maybe they're identified as queer, but they're actually more closer to the straight one. You know, like, you know what I'm saying about that?
1: I mean, that's why a lot of people do call themselves queer, because they understand that they're on the spectrum, but they don't define themselves as bisexual as straight you know etc etc
0: to your question i don't i think it's super subjective because i think it's really just based on Mm -hmm. your surroundings what you consume the people you're around the society you're in i mean we all live in southern california you know we live in a very progressive place a very open and welcoming Mm -hmm. place And of course, we had our own journeys to find out about Mm -hmm. our sexuality, but someone that maybe had the exact same sexuality that we had in varying degrees that grows up in a place like maybe like Alabama or even somewhere, maybe even worse, somewhere like Russia where it's illegal to be gay. They might not be able to allow themselves to have that realization. And even if they do, they repress it and suppress it. And I think it's super subjective how aware someone is of their own sexuality, because it's just based on what's going on. But even living in Southern California, where like being gay is mostly fine around most people, I struggled so intently to realize that I remotely liked men because I was like, but that's wrong. And that, kind of, that came from mm-hmm. my culture, because it's all different things, right? There's very strong machismo culture in Hispanic society. And there is, you know, being gay is a strong insult. Like, people call people maricon, which is just gay, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, that's what you call someone when they're being weak, when they're being, you know, less mm-hmm. than manly. And I grew up in that culture and that society. And I mean, so, does, so do a lot of people. Like, regardless of where you are, what you do, whatever level of queerness, whether it's about your sexuality, your sexual identity, your gender identity, whatever that is, I think it's so subjective. The reality exists within you. It's up to you how much you're able to accept that reality.
1: You were brought up in that environment, so that was your experience, whereas like my experience, and I'll, I'll go more into it next week, but my experience was it's totally fine for me to be gay, like be lesbian. That's great. Do it. But my parents are very bisexuality, pansexuality. It doesn't exist. It's only for men who don't want to admit to themselves that they're gay. And it's only for women who just want attention from men. They have progressed past those ideas. They completely understand it now. And they're very accepting. But I was very confused as a child because I'm like, well, I'm not a lesbian, but I don't feel straight. I, I struggled with that.
2: I think this is a good conversation to have, especially as we're into Pride Month, because I think this is a part of like a, a part of the conversation I think we have when it comes to coming out that is um, isn't spoken enough of is the fact that we do like cling to labels so strongly. And like we, it's like now our identity, we have to like hold on to it and solidify it. When it's like we should try to allow ourselves to be open as possible to things, because that's how I think you stay happy in life. You discover more about yourself. You actually grow quicker if you allow yourself to be a little more flexible. Um, There's nothing wrong with knowing what you like and knowing who you are. I think our society forces us to like, like I am straight, I have to, I have to take that on. I am gay, I have to take that on. But it's like you know what, we're all somewhere in between. And in my opinion. I I know. And I know all of our opinion on the podcast. It's important. I think when people are like struggling to figure out where they are on that spectrum to realize like, it's okay that you don't even know where you are or where what label you have, just be open minded and trust your instincts. And you know, just make yourself feel confident and okay enough to explore that, you know,
1: I mean, but I understand why people do cling to labels, because I do have a personal experience. A lot of times it is a journey to figure out who you are. So when you finally (laughs) find that label for yourself, you make it into your identity. For example, I had a conversation with a friend and they're trans and they're saying pansexuality shouldn't exist. And it Mm. took me so long to figure out what pansexuality, PJ had to explain it to me. I didn't know what it meant. And again, that's a funny story for a later time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I had finally, after all these years, figured out what I was. I wasn't bisexual. I was pansexual. And I was so upset that this person was telling me this thing that I finally figured out was something I can't use. It's not a label I can use because it shouldn't exist because... We can't say that attraction towards trans people falls into the pan label because they should be viewed as a woman or a man, and that should be just bisexuality. But PJ, because he's more logical, and I was so upset I couldn't even make an argument pg was very like well it's not just trans people there's other people that exist
0: well yeah that was my big thing was like well that's just that's you know that's non-binary erasure that and that's a, and again sexuality is such a spectrum and no one and if it upsets someone when i say this that's fine no one owes anyone attraction does that make sense like yeah yeah totally i respect every person's gender identity Whatever a gender identity you tell me that you are, I respect that. I have no problem with any of it. I personally find, as a pansexual person, all colors of the gender spectrum. Too. Very beautiful, very mm-hmm. attractive, right? Yes. But that does not mean that a bi person that is only into cisgendered people is transphobic. Yeah. It just doesn't. No one owes anyone to be attracted to everyone. And to say that bisexuals have to, have to, have to be into trans people is unrealistic. There, of course, there's going to be trans people they're into because like trans mm-hmm. people are just people. People are allowed to have preferences and things that they don't like when it comes to gender and sexuality. And I'm not saying that any of that is the right perspective, but people are allowed to have their preferences and what they like and what they don't like. Well,
1: yeah, that's like saying a gay man who likes twinks has to like bears when it's just not their type. You know, as just a woman, I don't like frat boys.
2: What a weird attack on frat boys. No, I'm teasing. I'm j- joking.
1: <laughs> I'm just not attracted to that, like, conventional, like, ha I'm a frat boy and I, I have money. Like, I'm just not right. attracted to those people.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Totally. And that's well, fine. And, like, and I think that's why it's so important to differentiate. And can I say, there are bi people who are into trans people. And that's fine. They don't have to then go out and be like, well, actually, I'm pan because I'm into trans people. People can label themselves however they want. And that's why it's Mm -hmm. problematic to say that people can't call themselves pan because that's exclusionary to trans people when it's almost more of a reaffirmation being like, hey, FYI, I am okay regardless. Whereas you don't have that Mm -hmm. guarantee with everyone. There are straight people who are not into trans women. There are gay people who are not into trans men. There are lesbians who are not into trans women. There are bisexual people who are not into trans people. There are straight people who are not into non-binary people. There are bi people who are not into binary people. There are so many sexualities. I'm just going through like what are quote-unquote considered like the big umbrella terms. Right. You know? right. And I think that's why pansexuality has its place because it is saying I have a preference of anywhere under any umbrella. It is letting you know I am okay with whatever. You don't have that guarantee with other people, nor should you kind of expect that guarantee. I'm not saying it's right. That I want to make that very clear. I'm not saying it's right. But people are allowed to like what they like.
1: Unless it's children.
0: And you can't expect that everyone's going to be as progressive, as accepting. Yes. Should I say, all of this falls under consenting adults. You know, it's a whole debate. It's a whole topic. And, you know, just let people label themselves how they want to label themselves. If someone tells you they are this, don't fight them and be like, actually, you're this. Like if a bi person came up to me. And was like, hey, I'm bi, but I'm into trans and non-binary people. I want to be like, well, that makes you pansexual. I'd be like, well, that's great. That should be the end of any of those conversations, you know? Right. (laughs) You should never challenge someone else's label because you wouldn't want someone challenging yours.
1: I feel like those people have just like fought so hard to figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. And like they just get so offended by other people who don't see the same way as them. So they become exclusionary in the process.
0: I mean, this is a problem with hyperlabelization, hyper you know, Mm -hmm. grouping, is people, once they find their tribe, want Mm -hmm. everyone else to be part of their tribe. And they do it to such an extent that they can then start excluding everyone else, right? Yeah. You fought for so long to be who you are that you won't let someone else be who they are in turn.
1: Any disagreement is a microaggression towards them. Which,
0: you know, that's its own whole conversation that we don't need to get into which we probably will one day. We're going to have a very intense month of conversations, I feel like.
1: There's a lot of revisiting of these conversations in the near future.
0: Yes. So, I mean, long and short of it, love who you love, feel how you want to feel, let people feel how they want to feel, let people love who they want to love, let people be who they're going to be, and let's all live happier lives because of it.
2: Hot. I love that.
3: Yes.
0: And I think that's a great spot to stop talking about Banana Fish for now. Uh, and start talking about the music of Banana Fish.
2: Oh, Some my God, sweet, yes. sweet music.
0: So let's talk about the intro OP to Banana Fish, which is Found and Lost by Survive the Prophet. Skylar, I know you have so many opinions about this song, so I'd, I'm going to let you kick this off today.
1: So uh, when we were watching it, I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. It's amazing. It's something I would have definitely put on my, like, high school playlist and listen to today. It's now on my anime playlist. It's amazing. But the whole thing is animated so wonderfully to the music. Like I teared up because it's just so good and it just gets you fucking pumped for whatever. It's amazing. I love it.
2: Definitely. I'm going to add it on that, Skylar. I agree. I I also thought it was like really fun. I thought it was like a fun like emo song. But this would definitely be on my boyfriend's playlist that I would listen to as he drove me around. Um, (laughs) Totally fun emo song. but like I can't figure out what song I'm thinking of, but I can I have like a very clear emo song idea. Anyways, it's fabulous. I love it. Love it.
0: Yeah, I love this intro. It's it's so good. Like the second because I watched I started watching Banana Fish a little bit before Skylar. The second I watched it, I was like, Skyler's gonna die for this intro. <laughs> and so yeah, I love this intro. It's so good. It it brings back that like mid late 2000s emo hard rock scene and you know listening to it just made me remember the brick mortar on the hot topic in the mall back when it was the scary store that like prep stayed out of and like it mm-hmm. just you know it was such a it's such a vibe and i love it right yeah I agree. totally let's talk about that closing song which is a very big shift in vibe but still in the same family let's talk about prayer x by king new Casey, why don't you kick us off? It's not bad. It's a, it's a, it's a fun song. Like fun song. I don't know if Casey heard the song.
2: Okay. Well, not fun. <laughs> uh, I by that I just meant like it's something I would listen to, and I have like a very specific niche thing I'll say about it. But it's basically just like it's an R and B infused pop ballad that I would have heard in like mm, early two thousands, late nineties.
0: I would say I think it's less R and B, more gospel. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. One hundred percent. Uh, Skylar, how about you?
1: I think it closed out each episode especially if it was a particularly heavy episode it really made you reflect on everything you said and then once you kind of get over it uh, the beat kind of like changes and becomes a little bit more funky and it's a great song. I love it.
0: Yeah, I love this song. I think the name is perfect. Again, I do feel like it's like a lot of very. It's a very gospel pop song to me. Right. Uh, it's very gospel R and B. I guess I will kind of put it in that. And I think prayer is the perfect name for it because that's kind of what it yes. feels like. It feels like when I'm listening to it, I feel the singer like reaching out with like their like whole heart and emotion. I love it. Right. Totally. I mean, yeah, we we have our thoughts on those songs. So then let's see who would have done a good job with them. It's time for my second favorite podcast segment of all time. Maybe soon to become third. Because <laughs> I am loving that uh, American versus Japanese segment. But so let's fun. move on to what modern contemporary artists do you think would have done a good job with these anime intros and outros? Casey, why don't you kick us off with Found and Lost by Survive the Prophet?
2: Yes. Um. So this one, I said Hawthorne Heights because that's what I think of. <laughs>
0: Like, it's, like, a,
2: I, I was, like, something really emo, and that's, like, what I go to.
0: I think Hawthorne Heights is definitely, like, a good choice.
2: As someone who's listened to Ohio is for Lovers so many times. like And Nikki d- F.M. Yes. <laughs> and I, and I couldn't remember, like, there's a song that's, like, calling. I can't think of what that song is. That song, too. I'll think of it. If you comment below, if you know what song I'm trying to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Hawthorne Heights, Skylar, what about you?
1: OK, so my first thought was, oh, man, I really wish I didn't say Hawthorne Heights like a week ago because <laughs>
3: yeah. it was
1: that. But then I found someone even more perfect. So this is a a throwback to the old old emo days, and I feel like not enough people talk about this band. But this is definitely uh, matches vocals a lot, and definitely the vibe plus more screamo is um, "Scary Kids Scaring Kids." I'll Never give that, that
3: that's
0: better than Hawthorne Heights, but no, nope, yeah, no, that's a really good choice. That's a solid choice. I, I do like Scary Kids Scaring Kids as for this. Thank you. Uh, I went with Boys Like Girls.
1: Oh, I totally hmm. see that for you. This
0: straight up sounds like the, like, especially at the like hard the chorus. The Great Escape. Sounds like the Great Escape. Yeah, it sounds exactly like the yep. Great Escape to me. I think we're all in that same, like, Skylar went to Teensy like two years earlier, but we were all in that mid to late 2000s emo hard rock phase where, like, mm-hmm. emo was starting to become Screamo, but had not become Screamo yet.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Love all of those choices a lot. I would listen to all of those versions. Get on it, all three of those bands. You know, you can't spell screamo (laughs) without emo.
1: Yeah, that's the point, Casey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One day, I want this podcast to get so huge. Like, I'm talking so big. The bands feel inclined to cover the songs we think they would do a good job with. Yes, I hope so, too. TikTok,
1: get on it. (laughs) At your favorite artist.
0: Fund this this project now. I don't
1: care about any of
0: the rest of the stuff that comes with it. I just want that part. (laughs) So let's move on to the closing song, which was Prayer X by King New. Skylar, why don't you kick us off with that one?
1: So I chose, because at first I thought it was like a woman singing, and then I found out like, oh, it's just like a male band that could sing in a much higher register. So I went with Foster and the People.
3: Hmm,
0: totally. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that. I see where you were going with it, for sure. I think vibe-wise. I think vocal-wise it's there. Right. Uh, What about you, Casey?
2: Okay, so specifically this song to me is like semi-filler, like all oh, it could be a, like a hit but not a popular hit but more of, like a filler song for like early 2000s late 90s pink like if you think like that's what i heard what i was thinking of, like, oh like, i
0: don't hear that at all
2: she has a song if you listen to her funhouse album like it's got like more like, this of like the sound of like kind of like the filler tracks like i don't believe you it's like i guess that was one of the, like the later release less popular hits kind of the vibe i was going for with it
0: i see where you were kind of going with it but yeah so, originally, when it very, very first started, I was like, oh, this is a Hosier song. This is a Hosier song. Oh. Mm. But once like, the more poppy ballads came in, I was like, no, it's not Hosier. It's Sam Smith. This is a Sam mm. Smith song. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Both of them kind of go into that gospel-y range yeah. in their songs. and that's, Damn, I mean, again, that's, that's, that's much That's kind of what better. I stuck with the whole time in my brain with this is gospel. It is not This Is Gospel by Panic! It's a Disco. <laughs> 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 but This Is Gospel a phenomenal music in this anime in general really love this intro and outro a lot but let's take another break and let's have casey watch some clips get some additional context and when we're back with all that we'll come back with our closing thoughts and some additional segments and we'll be right back so stay tuned everyone while my fellow weebs pj here thanking you as always for listening to our podcast We hope you enjoyed this beautifully traumatic anime. Again, if everything we've said so far didn't make it clear, the anime deals with very heavy topics and some pretty serious issues. But overall, it's such a beautiful story that handles those topics so maturely, and it's worth a watch if you can handle that. It's also a warm, loving story, and and definitely has its moments of levity and lets you breathe once in a while. (laughs) On a different note, if you missed our social media announcements, or last week's interstitial, you may have missed that we're officially moving to Tuesdays. Who needs Tuesdays with Maury when you can have Tuesdays with KD? Listen to new episodes every Tuesday, or if Tuesdays don't work for you, just make sure you keep us in your feed by subscribing to us and keeping up with us on your social medias. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Kawaii On Facebook, you can also find the official Kawaii Disappointment group where you can interact with us as well as other fans of the podcast. Or go to our website, kawaiidasupad.com for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. That's K-A-W-A-I-I-D-E-S-U-P-O-D.com. Spread the word about us, and if you feel so inclined, leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. Tune in next Monday as we continue Pride Month as we watch the transgendered coming-of-age story, Wandering Sun. Now, back to the podcast. All right, we're back, and we had Casey watch some additional scenes see some additional crimes some additional traumas and some additional depressing depressing scenes casey after all of that tell me what do you think about banana fish
2: oh my gosh it's sad but moving and you know it shows the power of um you know i think relationships in general how you how you can meet one person that like totally changes your life and like can give you a whole different like optimistic point of view um despite all the bad situations you've ever had which obviously ash has gone through but um i love it it's great
0: i feel the same i i loved watching every minute that i have seen of this it's so beautiful so moving so touching and god it really leaves you with a you know a hole in your heart once it's over totally
1: yes to our audience that hasn't seen but
2: skylar is, is is can't is inconsolable right now she audi- is to our
0: audience that's accurate
1: i just finished all 24 episodes like before recording this episode so i have not healed (laughs) i am not healed right now it is a hard anime it's sad and like there's beautiful moments but it's sad and it's painful and um if you're not cut out for like that type of watch it's heavy and like we would understand if that's not something you're interested in
0: yeah no it's it's definitely understandable if like after everything we've talked about you're like that sounds like a good enemy, but I cannot do that. yeah, I completely understand it deals with so many heavy topics it's pretty relentless, and you do get these beautiful moments of brevity and levity, but overall it just it really it really pounds at you I uh. truly feel
1: devastated
0: with that let's at least talk a little brighter for a moment about our favorite characters uh casey tell me after everything did you end up with a favorite character ag i think is the my favorite
1: that's a good character
2: you know i was thinking before how i had said i was like you know like when it comes to ash like i do like the i, I love the stories of the characters who are like able to be moved by um you know important relationships but you know what like ag is like i mean i'm not to say ash ash has obviously had a very tough life but it's also hard when you're like. You're when you're the person who's trying to make a connection with somebody who, like, you know, is so distrustful, and like, um, it speaks to Ag's resilience that he's willing to like meet Ash with where he's at, and like, be patient with him as like they grow out of this, try to grow together.
0: You know what I mean? Right. So Ag, yeah, very love charming.
1: that. Love that a lot. Uh, Skylar, what about you? It's one hundred percent shorter. <laughs> I love him so much. He's great. Oh, I'm smiling. It's fine.
2: She's doing. I love Shorter. Everyone.
0: Shorter's Shorter's really great. He's a, he's a phenomenal character. <laughs> <laughs> Skyler, Skyler's just being re inconsolable after having to watch the context clips. It's <laughs> it's my favorite part of this podcast so far.
2: If only we could get a sponsorship for some facial tissues.
0: Hey, come on, Kleenex. Kleenex kleenex sponsor
2: banana fish and this program
1: i'll just use the cat to wipe my tears
2: she's wiping herself (laughs) on a cat everyone (laughs) can't you
0: help kleenex uh shorter's great he's uh ash's best friend he adds a lot of levity to the show he's just a fun guy but also you know he also has you know familial trauma and stuff but it's great my i mean my favorite is ash i love ash that makes sense he's gone through so much and the growth he goes through with AG and with everyone by his side is it's really beautiful and it's it's hard to see just how hard his life has been and like at every turn you just find out the next devastating thing about ash's life and then in the anime more and more devastation just keeps befalling him but at the end of the day he's so well written he's so interesting he's so engaging and i, I love ash
2: mm, yeah he's yeah he is very he's uh, engaging
1: fantastic he's fantastic
0: God, well, we've had a lot of uh, serious conversations, a lot of emotional talks, uh, and, you know, a lot of tears in this episode. But after all of that, Casey, um, I wanted to ask you, do you think you would keep watching Banana Fish?
2: Totally. Um, the relationship, like I said, the perseverance of Ash and, and Asia, I guess but also just their dynamic their relationship together those two things I think really would keep me watching
0: love that kawaii success in the book
1: first one of pride month first kawaii
0: success of pride month let's try to uh, deflate uh, the intensity of this episode a little bit by playing a game Uh, Skylar
1: I forgot I'm so so sad
2: we broke Skylar you guys banana fish broke Skylar (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> send in the choppers
0: i'll do it today it'll be a special occasion <laughs> all right everyone it's time for america's favorite podcast segment is there an amv for that amv
3: <laughs> anime music videos is there a name?
0: All right, Casey, you know the rules. Give me a song and artist for Banana Fish.
2: Yes. Um, you know, this AMV, I had to choose something that was dark, sexy, hard hitting, and a little bit gay. So I went with Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift. I was going to go with any reputation era Taylor Swift songs, but I know this is the most popular one. So they probably have one most likely for this one.
1: I could see that.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. There's, uh, there's at least three that I see. So uh yeah, it's a three-pointer for Casey. Look what you made me do. You did get three points.
2: Oh my gosh. Woo-hoo! I love that. Love that for me. This is truly Pride Month. I didn't believe it before, but now I do with me getting points.
1: I don't know why I thought you'd be going like the Skylar Gray route, but yeah, I'm I I love that for you.
2: She'd be good. Like similar reasoning,
1: like, you know,
2: a dark, sexy, hard hitting, and a little bit gay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. Solid three-pointer. The but to kick off Pride Month,
1: and now it's time for the super secret, not so secret bonus round. Is there an AMV for Banana Fish by Evanescence? Bring me to life.
2: Skylar re- has regained her strength. Everyone, she is resilient like Ash. <laughs> Only partially. <laughs> Only, partially. <laughs> Only
0: partially. She. She struggled a little bit, but the the heartbreak remains. The heartbreak remains, and y- based on that heartbreak, you know the answer is a hundred percent yes. Of course, this is a hard, hard anime to watch at times. And if there's a if there's one song that encompasses hard moments in animates, "Bring Me to Life" by Evanescence. You know this what? There's
1: probably more Immortal, though.
0: You, we got to stop having this tertiary game inside of our secondary <laughs> game to our primary <laughs> game. We, You guys keep bringing up my Immortal in this. We can't have a third part to our one-part game. <laughs> We're
1: not. I'm just making an observation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now for the super, super secret, actually secret, fifth point... <laughs>
1: An MV for <laughs> Evanescence Immortal.
0: No, 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 no. We're not doing this.
1: If we were to do that, it would definitely have to be a Linkin Park song. It would
0: be a Linkin Park song. You can't just yeah. do two Evanescences. Yeah. But with that said, that is four points in the book, a kawaii success in the book, and a lot of heartbreak in the book. You see a banana fish, that's when you know the death is near. Is that the quote? Something yeah. like that. I don't remember. It's been a while since I watched that episode. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a long, long time since I read Catcher in the Rye. Mm-hmm. Seriously. But regardless of all that, uh, I think that's where we're going to have to call it. Clearly, we had a lot of emotions. Thank you for being with- here with us for this emotional roller coaster. If you were able to be here for it, completely understand if people heard the warning up top and were like, I'm outie for this one. Right. If you joined us, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoy the anime if you choose to watch it. But that is where we are going to call it. We hope you had a good time, a fun time, a sad time, a-
1: A cry time.
0: Cry time, a pride time. But with all of that, that is the end of our time. Until next time, we hope your wait isn't a kawaii disappointment. I've been PJ.
1: I've been Skyler And uh, uh, banana fish, Casey.
2: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Are you dying or sad?
1: I
0: think he's dying. He's referencing the show, Skylar. Come on, get it together. uh, Banana fish. All right, bye, everyone. Casey's going to go kill everyone now. Bye.